0: Melissa, I am so happy to talk to you. Thank you for coming to see us. Thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you, Erin. I've been looking forward to this. I can't wait to introduce you. Melissa Reeves is a Seattle-based storyteller. Now, isn't that just such a fantastic word. I mean, who doesn't want to hear a story? She's a professional improviser and a storytelling coach for executives and entrepreneurs. And she founded her company Story Fruition, and that's fruit with an ION on the end of it, LLC, after noticing that founders were lacking stories in their pitches. And really, a pitch without some kind of story just doesn't resonate at all. Melissa, you say that storytelling is an essential business skill, and you must get asked this over and over again, but but why? Why is it so important?
1: Oh, that's such a great question, And and I love that part of any of the workshops that I do, and no one ever argues about it, though. They're like, it is essential because companies, individuals, executives, parents, we all have learned lessons, and we've all gained successes, even sometimes failures, and it's those stories that you tell. You tell them to your partners, your prospects, your colleagues, your, your employees, and it's it's really important that you can tell it so that people are leaning into you. They're not bored, they're not lost, they're not confused. You want to make sure that you're on top of your game, especially with some, some really core stories that you know your company's going to want to tell.
0: So that's what I do. Mm. And I know you also can create stories for a company, not mm-hmm. just a person. Giving a company a persona, giving a company uh, things to to explain its personal its its own stories of of how it was created and what matters to it. Right. Yeah. So
1: yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of different stories, and so people. The thing about the founder story, if you will, that's a really important one because people want to know, especially if you're in an investment investor things like, why are you getting up to do this every day? And so those are usually very personal moments uh, that happened in the founder's life or the CEO's life that, that made them know I have to do this. And we want to know what got you there. We want to know, and you can tell it really quickly. You can tell it in 99 seconds. It doesn't have to be a really long story, but it allows the listener to understand more of who you are as the leader so it's an important story. Now I see a lot of companies are like, here's our, found, here's our story. And they do kind of this, they do this kind of timeline thing. You know, it's like in 1998, the founder decided blah. And then 2004, and it's like, I got to be honest, they're boring. Um, they're, they, Those are nice stories, maybe in the back of the presentation, but opening with stories of a timeline. I have personally, I've not been a big fan of it.
0: No, no. Uh, we want to hear the behind the scenes. We want to hear about... emotions that created that company to begin with. Absolutely, please just don't give us a list of events. Uh, Speaking of one of your many other talents, uh, you are a professional actor and improviser as well. I've done a little Mm -hmm. bit of acting and a little bit of improv and improv scares the hell out of me because there's no script. At least if I'm acting in something and I have a script in front of me I can memorize it. But you're up on that stage, Melissa, and audiences are throwing out ideas at you and your team members are throwing Suggestions at you. You have to be incredibly quick on your feet for that. You do, and guess what? We are improvising right now. <laughs> I don't know what you're.
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say to me, but I'm going to trust that I'm going to be able to find something to answer you with. So, uh, what I love about improv, and why I, I encourage anyone to take at least one course in improv, you will be surprised at how smart and witty and quick you are. And so when you get, and I, and I was with you because Aaron, when I was 25 years old, I was terrified of improv. I was like, what do I know? I don't know anything, (laughs) but at 50, uh, I have so much more life experience. And so there's all of these stories, if you will, that you can pull from and improv, improv will pull stuff out of you that you didn't even, you hadn't thought about in a long time. And I call that the creative flow. So I use, um, I use improv even in some of my coaching because I want people to, um, to play, to free fall, to not worry about it. You're not gonna get your story wrong, but let's try it in, in, in a new way. Let's see, let's see what happens. And it's really fun, yeah.
0: What, what a great idea. I'm thinking, okay, I have to go back to improv and obviously it's never too late. Are you you still do improv with Unexpected Productions ensemble, I think.
1: I do. Yes, I do. We haven't done as much this year, obviously, on well, stage. yeah. Hello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I love it. Yeah.
0: When you were acting, what were some of your favorite roles?
1: Uh, well, I've been doing improv longer than I think any of the professional mm. acting, but I loved comedies. Um, I, there was some stuff that I did down in uh, San Diego that were quite fun. Um, the Stranger, which was hilarious. Or oh, I'm sorry, The Foreigner. And it was just an absolutely hilarious play. And I got to play a debutante and I was very, very diva.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A diva debutante. I can tell you've got, I mean, obviously you're an amazing storyteller, but have a great sense of humor. I mean, you won one of the moth story slams for a a talk entitled Life is Like a Waiter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: and that's actually kind of my theory in life. To be honest, life is like a waiter; it gives you what you ordered, and if you don't like what you got, send it back to the kitchen. But if you like it, tip. <laughs> <laughs> and in that in that particular story, though, yes, it did win the moth, um, and it was it's a mix. So when I'm doing kind of my personal storytelling, which I want to just preface that. The fact that I am a storyteller, that I get up on stages, I go into competitions, I do all this stuff all the time, helps me be able to show a client the things that we're doing up here in performance level absolutely can be transferred over into the boardroom. Absolutely. Now you're not gonna have a mic and everyone's complete attention, but if you, because people are gonna naturally interrupt you, you know, as you're in conversations or you'll start your story and because it's not a a show, they might say, oh my God, my grandma's just like that too, right? And so (laughs) you gotta learn to tell your story and know that you're gonna have to navigate uh, participation, which is a good sign because when you've got people thinking about something in their life, because your story is, is touching their hearts, That is a compliment. That is a big compliment.
0: It really is. When when you are getting people so engaged in what you're telling them that they want to be part of that experience. You are a pitch coach for Founders Live. I hadn't heard of Founders Live. What are they?
1: Oh, I love Founders Live. Yeah, so Founders Live is a monthly and global, there's about 60 markets and it's once a month, we have five founders that will pitch their idea on how they're going to change the world in 99 seconds oh. and <laughs> yeah but believe it or not I, that's what i coached them so it's, that kind of launched my my career in this work so it's expanded into other things but that's how i got into it and literally what i saw was the same thing over and over again it was problem and then a bunch of words in a graph and then <laughs> solution and then a graph and not a pie chart <laughs> and you're just like whoa okay what if, what if you told and showed us the problem through a story, through a character having the problem that we can relate to instead of that graph? Because I promise you, we're going to remember your story far longer than that graph. And so we started infusing stories into the front part of the presentation as we'd weave in in, within this 99 seconds, we would weave in go-to-market strategy, um, financials, leadership, traction, all the things that a, that a quick pitch needs to tell an investor. We get them all in, all in there. But they have that story because they're going to say to the client, you know, it's that guy that was standing by his gravesite of his dad and he realized, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's what they're going to remember. They're not going to remember your API. <laughs>
0: No, and and I point out that uh, Melissa will coach you to do this in 99 seconds. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, that's just a few flights of an elevator. That really is fantastic. You can find Founders Live at founderslive.com, and it sounds like an enormous amount of fun. They say the world's a stage, and Melissa Mm -hmm. will help you get up on that stage and keep your audience engaged. Do you find you have to coach some of your executives, your entrepreneurs, your founders through nerves?
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's the other beautiful thing though, about a story is because they're like, I like telling stories. Stories are fun. And so they have learned that storytelling can actually break those nervous ice because no one wants, I always say to my clients, no one wants to give a speech. Ew, (laughs) that's stressful. And like presentation, yeah, that can have its own feelings. But like, if you say, I'm going to do a talk and I'm going to share lots of stories, as I weave my my way through the point of my talk, that's a lot more fun, you know? And so what we do is we look at any presentation, and and this can happen not just in the 99s. This happens like when investors are going in front for like five or 10 minutes. We look at the deck and we, we weave in the stories, the customer successes, the traction, all of the things that happened along their way so far and why they're ready for this money. The stories prove it. The stories prove it. And so that's why it's really important when I'm working with clients is that we're developing actively a story library. And we're having these things stored in there so that people can retrieve them in the organization because everyone's selling, (laughs) everyone's selling, but you don't necessarily know all of the success stories. So those are some of the things that um, when coaching, I I teach you how to tell your own story, but I also teach you how to tell someone else's.
0: Mm. You, you, You also mentioned, I saw you use, you can help people create captivating stories using a mind movie method. Is this me playing Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Pride and Prejudice over and over in my head, or what? (laughs) That's funny. Um, So think about it though. This
1: is why I call it a mind movie. When you're telling me a story, you're putting pictures in my head, you're introducing characters to me, you have stakes involved, and you're driving in different scenes, you're in different places. The storyteller, the really good storyteller knows that and owns that because we all have an obligation to entertain and educate when we're telling any story. So when you are re- realizing, oh, I am controlling the movie inside your mind right now. <laughs> oh. See? And so that's why it's like, if you leave, this is what I coach a lot too. is like, if you, if you leave key details out and I talk about this in my book, if you leave too, de- too, de- you know, too many details out, what happens is your listener, unlike a reader, a reader can go back and reread if they've missed something, but a listener might start to wander. They're going to wonder what you were talking about. You, let's say you used an acronym and they don't know what that acronym is. Mm. They're gonna wonder what the acronym is. Then they're gonna look around the room and they're gonna wonder, is anyone else wondering about this acronym? Because I don't know what it means. I have no, do, am I an idiot? Am I the only one that doesn't know what this means? And then I have not listened to the speaker now because I'm caught up in my own head. <laughs> and so that's the wonder wander. And I, I coach that so that we don't disrupt your mind movie. We've got to keep that train on the tracks. Is how I say it too. I have lots of metaphors.
0: <laughs> no, that, That's brilliant. And also getting rid of the jargon because nothing will turn me off faster is jargon I don't understand and the acronyms. Whereas if you told me a story about a pink elephant, there's no way I can't picture a pink elephant. I mean, it's, exactly. it's, it's immediate. There's, I mean, I assume everybody is now thinking about pink elephants. You can't are. watch. Thank you. <laughs> you talk about... Are uh, building an army of storytellers. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining all these warrior Amazon princesses around me. But but mm-hmm. what do you mean? What I mean is is um. So I'm thinking like of a company
1: now, not just not just mm. the CEO. So the company, when a company's t- sales team, for instance, is trained in storytelling, how great do you think those case studies are going to be? They're going to be told a lot better. They're going to be told with more emotion. They're going to be told with more magnetizing energy towards the client to come in because the sales rep is captivating. And so when you really invest in your C-suite or your, your sales or in marketing organization in this sort of skill set, and it takes practice, it's not just one. It's not like, oh, Melissa's going to come in and do a workshop and everyone's going to be amazing right after it. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. So what we do is we go through a series of masterminds and we work together and we, we practice the things you learned in the workshop. And that takes practice. I study storytelling four hours a week myself. And not only, you know, do I study it, I do it and I coach it. So I'm constantly talking about stories, but um, I have to practice myself or it goes bad. It doesn't go bad. It just gets weak. You want to stay really sharp. And it's fun. <laughs> it's
0: well, story, really fun. the storytelling the story gym, one has to continually keep one muscles. One has to yes. keep limber and and one, one can't just suddenly stop and expect that, uh, you know, that, that uh, one will keep the skills. But all I could think of while you were talking, I wandered off to thinking this woman needs to write a book. This woman <laughs> really needs to write a book. I, <laughs> you're, I, you're, I'm fantastic because you've got yes. your vlogs. You've got your vlogs. And I do Thank you. I do recommend watching the vlogs. There aren't many websites that have such compelling vlogs, like, like uh, for example, you know, I know one of the things you you are able to do is incorporate storytelling narratives so that investors can pitch and they can land. Venture capital, you know, they can land a ton of money. One mm-hmm. of your beautiful vlogs was about Juan Mendina, and I hope yes. I'm pronouncing that right. Please, definitely, yes. I'm from New Zealand, and he okay. founded a company called Lalo, and I Lalo, Lalo. yeah, Lalo. And with his story, he raised two hundred thousand dollars, and for that, for somebody who possibly came from a situation where that would never have been a possibility before, that is huge.
1: Yes. And, and thank you. You're, you're very thorough. I love how much you're looking at my content. So the story with Lalo was, it's, was beautiful in itself. So I met, I met Juan, who was just a wonderful human being. And he was from Amazon. He had a really good, strong marketing sense uh, Mm -hmm. to some degree, and, but he was doing it the typical way. So when he met me at, we met at Founders Live, he did his pitch. It was all graphs. It was all data it was all how the app's going to work, mm. all of this. And, I, and and ironically, the app is about storytelling. It's about <laughs> <laughs> capturing your stories of your family so that when they pass on, they'll be remembered. Right? So it's like a, a living scrapbook of their life. And so it's a beautiful idea. And I said, Juan, how did you come up with this beautiful idea? And he's like, well, I don't think anyone would really care. But... I was standing at the graveside of my father and he had died 18 years ago. And my wife asked me, um, yeah, tell us the story about Lala, please. And I had nothing, nothing. And I thought this has got to be happening to like millions of people too. Like we don't take, I mean, I don't have his empanada recipes. I don't have his bad, bad jokes. I miss him. And I said, so that's when you came up with this idea. It's like, yeah, I go, why is that story not in your story? <laughs> He's like, you think that they'd care? I'm like, absolutely. So when he started his Founders Live, we had him, his opening line is, I'm standing at the graveside of my father.
0: Oh. That is an image. Well, it's also the perfect first line of a book. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what gets you in a book is the first line, the first six words. So. I uh, forgive me for interrupting you, but the, like the imagery that comes out from that one sentence—that one sentence—actually, it's a half a sentence. Yes,
1: I was standing at the side, the graveside of my father, when my wife asks me, "What do you remember about him? Tell us a story." Right. So now we've got characters involved, and and we have you know, and then he says, "And I had nothing," and now we get inside his mind. We get inside what he's feeling. That's his aha moment as an entrepreneur. You've got to have that moment. That's a story. People want to hear it. He did all that. Plus, he did all the business stuff. So we, knew, we learned who Juan was. We learned where his heart was in this, in this, in this mm-hmm. company. Now, before we composed this, he was having doors to shut. Just a lot of like, well, thanks. We'll think about it. You're a little too early, right? He got nowhere. He was getting zero, zero dollars. When he ran the Founders Live, he put it on Twitter. He had $210,000 in 10 days. People said, it was, man, that story. What can I, I I went through that too. What can I do to help you? I want to invest.
0: That was on Twitter. $210,000 in 10 days. And when I was saying he was disadvantaged, coming from a corporate background, being perhaps coming not from a particularly creative place, Perhaps he never thought of himself as creative. He might've never thought of himself as a storyteller to be able to, to, to gain that skill, to see his idea come to life. That's incredible. It is. Thank you. And it is, it was wonderful to
1: watch too. And I've had other clients too, you know, I had a client call me up and goes, and he's a finance guy. He's, he's bought sold, he's started companies and they're now IPO. He knows what he's doing. He's going in for this big pitch. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm ready. The numbers are there. It's great. But It doesn't have any heart.
0: Mm.
1: What do I do? And I'm like, we have those three case studies that we found this summer. Why do you not tell those stories? Because it proves your technology and they're gorgeous, heart-wrenching stories. You saved people's financial lives. he's like, really? Yeah, put them in. He puts them in, goes into Andreessen Horowitz and walks out with 35 million. (laughs) Mic drop. Yeah. And it's not because, oh, Melissa put in the story. He, of course, he was completely buttoned up. He's an incredibly brilliant man. But he he has, he's, it's a testimonial. He's actually said, I, I attribute the storytelling in the presentation to have made it, uh, the difference. So it's, I'm not making this up. No, no, <laughs> no, no, works. No. I, I'm
0: just thinking that um, I'm mindful of the time, but I could talk to you for days because you tell stories. Uh, um, I can keep going. Speaking, speaking of stories that matter. Would you tell me about the melanin project, your melanin stories matter project? How did that come about? Thank you. Um,
1: Yeah, that happened uh, last year during, you know, when we were all seeing the George Floyd and the Breonna Taylor, and it was Mm -hmm. just so outrageous. And I inwardly, as a storyteller, wanted to know, like, why are we so mean? Why is this happening? And then that little voice said, well, (laughs) you were raised to be racist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? And so my own story was is true. It, it, and I actually ended up telling a story that um, you can see it on my website. It's called Chocolate and Vanilla. And it was how racism can run in a family. And it's taught really young. And it, it affects a person's decisions as an adult because they could be fearful of facing their family when they don't want to be racist. Because I think racist is not a natural thing that we humans want to do. And so we decided that instead of going out on protests because we couldn't, we were scared of getting tear gassed or COVID, uh, why not use the power of storytelling and create this storytelling show that highlights Black, Indigenous, and people of color telling their stories. We usually have a theme, but they tell their stories because stories connect us. And so you can hear a story about someone who's had this really stupid racist thing done to them. And then you see the storyteller as this beautiful human being sharing their vulnerability. It opens the hearts up. It opens up a change in thinking about like, is it right that we're like that with each other? Right. And so then we interview that we interview the, the teller to ask them like like how are they since that time? What have they learned? Um, we take on a lot of subjects there. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a, sub, it's a project of love. Um, But yeah, it's Melanin Stories Matter. We have quite a bit of content on YouTube if anyone wants to check it
0: out. Mm, Absolutely. And I was going to say, you can also find out about it by going to storyfarmission.com or Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, melaninstoriesmatter.com. I'm so glad you, you, I really wanted to, I'm so glad you shared about that particular project. Something that's very close to my heart is NAMI, which is the National Alliance for Mental Illness you've actually spoken i think at the have i got it right the brain power chronicles
1: yes that's the name of the seattle show yes. and i love that nami's actually using storytelling mm. as yeah. their as their method of, of educating and, and really i mean they they would have like how many storytellers were there i think there were eight and they we were all taking on our own topic with our own personal experience um mine was a, a like, so, so someone might have a, a story about a bipolar moment or another person might be like, I was at the the edge of suicide after, you know, something happened in my life. And so everyone has a topic and mine was OCD. So obsessive compulsive disorder, which is um, something that I had noticed. I had it as a kid undiagnosed. I got through it though, but I've seen it run through my family. And so it, it can be debilitating. And one of the things that I and why I wanted to do NAMI it actually started off at the Moth and then went to NAMI was I wanted people to understand it and stop making jokes of it. Like I often will hear like, Oh my God, I'm so clean today. I'm being so OCD. Mm. Or, I've got to have my pens there because I'm so OCD. And it's like, no, you don't understand. It's not because you're clean. It's not because you you know, like you like things neat. It's because if you're not clean or neat, something bad's going to happen. And it's all your fault. That's what OCD's like. It sucks. And so my story was able to show the pain and the struggle that I went through. And then what, I, what I've what i witnessed
0: from that time as a parent to it. And uh, with Ignite Seattle, you gave a talk, OCD is a family affair. And yep. you ended up in the top 10 for that. Thank mm-hmm. you. It drives me crazy too when I hear things like that. I have bipolar and okay. yeah. there's been a lot of, uh, yeah, and it's, it's interesting the reactions I get if I bring that subject up and I'm a lot more open about it than I used to be. Uh, for people that are interested in NAMI, it's N-A-M-I, that's uh, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, uh, or just go to namiseattle.org is one way to go if you're uh, in the West Coast, if you're in, in our particular area.
1: Awesome. I also have a friend who does a podcast, his name is Sean Wellington, and he does, um, uh, he does mental health stories as well. Um, so you can look up grit grit if you're interested in learning and hearing more mental health stories. Because you know what, Aaron, the reason why we can talk about the conditions is because we finally are evolving to allow it. Remember when our parents were like, you're gonna go to a therapist? What are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) My kid's not broken. (laughs) And but now it's like I think every single one of my children's friends and themselves all have gone and go to therapy now. So mental health is something that people are really realizing is real. Um, It's not something to be ashamed of. And storytelling can absolutely uh, heal
0: some of the anxiety that people have. Uh,
1: You know, so anyways. Storytelling
0: heals. Yeah, it does. It it really does. I forgot to say, I connected with Melissa because I ended up with a girl crush. I saw her featured in 425 Business Magazine. That was a great spread. Oh, how was that Thanks. experience for you? That the, the, the How was that experience for you? Because that's a different way of telling a story. Normally you you speak your stories, you teach your stories, you, you vlog your stories, but there you were in print. Yes, uh, well, they were wonderful. 425 is
1: just wonderful. And that's 425 Business. So they have two brands. So that was the business publication. And uh, no, it was a very uh, casual, nice interview together. Um, and then uh, we were able to write it up. And then I, I provided some tips too. So um, it was wonderful. And uh, thank you. That was very nice of you to say that.
0: Mm, and there's an online edition. You'll be able to track down Melissa Reeves online with that as well. Uh, speaking of tips and tools, on on your website, there's a great tools and tips uh, section with tools and downloads. And you've got a great free guide which talks about a storyboard. Now, I know what a storyboard is as, as regards to movie making, or as regards to to uh, creating an ad campaign. Uh, you know, when we when we were building a commercial, what do you mean by a storyboard?
1: Uh, you, you almost nailed it right away. You said for a movie, well, it's for a mind movie. Oh yeah. So if you think about it, when you think about a story, it's got to have a, you know, beginning, middle and end. So it's like a movie. We have to set it up. We have to know, you know, how life was uh, before this weird thing happened. And then this weird thing happened. And then that took you to this room and this scene and that scene until you really realized everything's going to be okay. Or I learned my lesson. And then you go on, those are scenes. And so when I storyboard, I I create it and I learned this from Matthew Dix, who's a wonderful storyteller and coach. Um, You, you, scene one and I'll, I'll name it. I'll name the scene. It could be, it could be Aaron gets a first Barbie and it's a scene when Aaron's six years old and she gets her first Barbie and she's got the airplane and she's super happy. Right. And we'll set that up. And then the next scene might be in your story, um, my sister kicked the Barbie across the st- you know, like whatever the story is gonna be. So we're gonna move from scene to scene. So storyboarding for storytelling is fantastic. I actually like it more than scripting because in storytelling, we are not doing a monologue. We are, we're being more conversational and we're telling the story. And sometimes we might tell it slightly different. We'll remember a detail or something like that. Um, but storyboarding is fantastic because you can kind of see the map of where the story's going. So it
0: helps with memorization. Mm, speaking of math, but before we get to that, because I have a question to ask you about that, I was laughing my head off because I have a Malibu PJ sitting on my desk. Now, she was Barbie's best friend from the 60s. She's, she's a doll. That was my doll when I was I a kid. I had child. her. She, oh. Malibu PJ. And she, I, bl- <laughs> I blame her for a lot of my expectations of life because she's perpetually lives in sunshine, which is what I want. Because I, I'm I'm solar powered, but also yes, I did have to keep her away from my sister because my sister's nine years younger. Joe, if you're listening to this, I you know I you were not safe around my my Barbie when I was about ten and you were about one or two. Just giving you a heads up on that. <laughs> do you know what's really wild about this right now is that I improvised
1: that mind movie right there. I don't know why I said Barbie. This is why improv's good. I don't know why I said Barbie. And I don't know why your sister came through, but you just, I, that was wild. (laughs) When You told the
0: story and it was true. And, and I've never told that story on a podcast. And, and my sister is my best friend. So I don't often bring up the fact that I couldn't trust her there. You know, um, oh, yeah, it's a great story, though. Yeah, to, uh, because, uh, you know, I, um, she has a joy in my life, et cetera. You're, you're a joy in my life, Joe. But, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, storytelling, I think, also taps into intuition.
1: Yes, yes. And that's why studying it and working it is so worth it, because the more you do, the more you get from it. It's absolutely
0: true. What I was thinking about math, because it isn't quite math, but you spoke to me about that that brilliant business person who needed to bring some heart to their story and raise $35 million. We haven't forgotten that, by the way. Everybody, everybody had a mic drop at that moment. Why is it important to have a balance of logic and emotion? Oh, awesome question. Because
1: we are left-brain, right-brain people. And so in, in the investor sense, they get too left-brain. They're like, or the the uh, the the pitch can can be too left brain. It's just charts, 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 charts. And when you're doing a chart, your your brain's only really activated about five percent, I think. It's like it's really tiny. It's looking at numbers and it's looking at letters and it's figuring out the axis. And you're kind of taking us out because you're making us read something, and it's complex that you're making me read. So you've asked me to read it, and now I'm not listening to you. That's another thing I talk about with presentations. Um, <laughs> so so uh, the right brain, the stories is where the right brain comes in. And so the stories need to be telling you the story of the data, right? Mm. So if you're saying that you have a stat that shows uh, that women like your product more, then you ought to have a story behind that of some woman <laughs> telling you how much she loves your product, right? Mm-hmm. Who is she? What was she like? What was going wrong with her life that that caused her to turn to you? What did you do and how did her life change? And let her tell it. And, you know, or you're going to tell her story within your presentation. Because again, I said, you're telling your own story sometimes and you're telling other people's stories a lot actually in business. So um, yeah, so that's why right brain, left brain. And I do talk about that quite a bit in my book
0: that's coming up, which I can't wait to to, to read, basically, uh, you know, I was also thinking this, this wasn't on my, my questionnaire sheet, but I was thinking I've helped a lot of clients overhaul their websites using the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a method that speaks to you? Uh, I, uh, is that, is that something yeah. that resonates with you at all?
1: Yeah. So I was just taught that in improv and mm. it's good enough for Disney and Pixar. It's good enough for me. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's the, it's the transformation. And so, yes, there are other styles of storytelling that you can do. And I'm not saying it always has to be like this, but it works and it's a simple formula. So you have the main character and what their life is like. And I kind of said it earlier. And then something happens, there's an inciting event. There's a pain that occurs, you know, or, or it could be a joy. Um, and events happened after that that then change the course of that person's experience with your brand. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to just say your brand. We want, we want you to be the hero. If I could put a cape around you, I would.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And we want your client, your your customer to bring home the elixir. We want their life so transformed that their yeah. ordinary life has been improved, that basically their ordinary life sucked, you came into their life, their ordinary life is now wonderful.
1: Yeah. And well, it's kind of it's a good way of putting it, but that's, that's pretty much it. So, <laughs> uh, and yeah, like, here's the thing. Can I say this though? Cause I was an enterprise sales where I was in advertising sales and whatnot, and I was in ad sales. And um, there are a lot of people that will tell a case study just by the numbers. When the case study is where the emotion is, that's where you want your, you want to be able to tell that story. Uh, but if you're coming in and I have done it myself, you come in, you're like, Yeah, we have someone that's in your financial vertical. Look here, they had a 203% uh, return on investment. Are you ready to sign up now? You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Snore. <laughs> but I could say, for, for instance, we had, and then I start telling the story of Blanche, the soccer mom, right? <laughs> and at the end blanche the soccer mom is very upset because she doesn't have enough time in her life and then all of a sudden she learns from you how to time manage blanche is a happy soccer mom at the end
0: okay super exactly. stunning. and one hopes that blanche also has a uh, you know uh, also outsources a lot of these things and gets somebody else to pick up the kids from soccer <laughs> And that could be a scene, Erin. We could put that in there. And that could be your solution. Your solution could be ferrying children to soccer so that so that Blanche can actually get on with running an empire. You know, I, let, let's free Blanche up to have her, her vision that's right. and her dreams. <laughs> let's free <laughs> Blanche, free Blanche.
1: <laughs> exactly, you totally get it. It's true. But you, I mean, but the thing about case studies is that they're true stories that prove who you are. Don't be ashamed to tell them. And, you know, your sales team and like new salespeople, oof, they really need work, right? Because mm-hmm. they're just aching for stories to help them feel confident about the product. They don't know yet. They're like, they're like yeah, I signed the contract. I'm going to sell your thing. I hope your thing works. <laughs> <laughs> and does anyone have a story about how great our thing is? Um, I don't remember mine anymore. Okay. Uh, do you have a story that tells us how great your thing is? You know, and so if you have a library of stories, ready to go. People like that can go, here's one. Great. Here's another one. Great. Oh, thank God. Okay. Now I'm feeling confident
0: And they can or also more tell, confident. They can also tell the right story to the right person. Exactly. You know, not everybody wants to hear Cinderella. Some people want to hear Aladdin. So having a yeah. you, to be able to craft your story for your audience, make sure you get hold of Melissa. Now she does still offer one-on-one. I don't know how long she'll be able to do that for. Uh, <laughs> so she does still offer one-on-one consultations. Uh, but she also has live workshops which I'm guessing uh, might be hybrid at the moment or might be online but you also you can also get on-demand courses uh, from Melissa as well, which means you can learn at your own speed. You must check out her vlogs. There's so much great information in there. It's the best way to get hold of you through I, I know you they can also uh, people can also find you on Clubhouse. Melissa yes. will make appearances on Clubhouse. But is the best way to contact you through your website story fruition
1: yeah the the context there that would be wonderful um but you know I'm not shy it's Melissa at storyfruition.com. so you, you were right it's like brute with a shun but I love <laughs> the name because it's well, how did you get to who you are what's your what's your story fruition and I love it so um, I love founder stories and so anyways yeah that's the best way
0: that is uh, there is and the best way. Is to tell a story. What a fantastic! Oh, I've so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for your time today, Melissa, uh, and thank you for sharing some of your stories with me. And I can't wait to talk to you again.
1: Oh, thank you, Erin. You're wonderful. I had a wonderful, wonderful time. Bye. Happy holidays. <laughs> okay. Bye.